Can I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today? We'll be in the Gospel of Luke, a new place in scripture for the next few weeks. This is Luke chapter five, I'll be reading from today from the Contemporary English Bible, beginning in verse 27. Afterward, which means we know four chapters happened already, after all of that, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He was sitting at a kiosk collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up, left everything behind, and followed him. Then Levi threw a great banquet for Jesus in his home, and large number of tax collectors and others, they sat down to eat with them. The Pharisees and the legal experts grumbled against the disciples. They said, why? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but to call sinners to change their hearts and lives. Some people said to Jesus, the disciples of John, they fast often and they pray frequently. The disciples of the Pharisees, they do the same, but your disciples, they're always eating and drinking. The word of God. You can be seated. Well, there's a scripture. They're always eating and drinking. So we're going to take this scripture reading as a quiz this morning, a little bit more like a test. A test. I'm going to put it back on the screen. I'm going to read a few of the verses one more time, and then I'm going to give you a minute to think. So let me read first. Afterward, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Tax collector is named Levi. He's sitting at a kiosk collecting taxes. Jesus said, follow me. Levi got up, he left everything and he followed him and then Levi threw a great banquet for Jesus in his home. Large numbers of tax collectors and others sat down to eat. Pharisees and the legal experts grumbled and they said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, give us another minute. What is off? What is off in the story? Nice. Oh, that's really nice. What is off? Something is off in the passage this morning. What do you see that's off? A kiosk. Oh, you're troubled by the kiosk, Virginia. Well, that's not what I expected to hear. Are you troubled that it's tax collectors and sinners? All right, because somebody whispered that and sometimes we think that. Are you troubled because Jesus is eating with the wrong people? Because some people worry about that, but if you were raised in the church, we've known since about third grade, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. In, the, in fact, in the Bible edition for children, sinners is in quotation marks, just so we know, sinners. Jesus eats with them. Are you troubled by that? Are we troubled that Jesus has been tempted into a courtyard where he doesn't belong and he's got the wrong dinner companions? He smells the meat roasting and maybe the music playing. He hears the clamor of the voices and the clanking of the dishes and he finds himself inside of a courtyard around a table with amazing food and people. It's a party. And the religious people walking by can't keep walking by because Jesus is on the inside and so they stop and they pray, thank you that we're not like the people on the inside. 
are we troubled? Because Jesus has the wrong dinner companions because for a couple of thousand years, that's what people have said about this story. It turns out there's more than one competing um, problem here, but let's just stop with this one for a minute. In a culture like ours today, we talk a lot more about we are what we eat, right? We are what we eat. But in this culture, in Jesus' time, it's about you are what you eat with. You are who you eat with. And so it is the people around the table precisely that would at first might grab our attention. You are who you eat with. This is not about not having the right food around the table. We're short on range-free, cage-free eggs. We're short on green antioxidant smoothies. I can't believe you people are drinking that stuff. We're short on keto options around the table. No, it's not all of that. See, we live in a world that says we are what we eat. This is describing a world we are who we eat with. Is that the problem? Is that what's kind of off in the story? Jesus' dinner companions, it's poor taste and it's scandalous. Or is the story off not because of Jesus' dinner companions but because of his table manners? Let's pause there for a minute because we know Jesus' tradition from Israel, right? And the Jewish faith is just beginning to take shape. And so it matters that there are dishes and hand washing and ways to go about this and people who know about dishes and hand washing and all the ways we go about this. There's a script for a table for someone like Jesus coming from his faith tradition. So I was raised vegetarian. Um, uh, It's a lot easier to eat vegetarian today than it used to be. We're kind of a mixed household, the household I live in today. But I was raised vegetarian. A few weeks ago when I was traveling, I was trying to find something vegetarian on a very limited menu, and I told the server, well, I'm looking for something without meat. And she said, well, here, here's a salad that has chicken. You can eat that. (laughs) Stop it, Beverly. See, you would have eaten it. And I had to say to her, but that's still meat. Oh, you can't eat chicken, no. Oh, well, you can eat seafood right here. Here's something. No, because that's still a creature. (laughs) But you can eat salmon. Salmon's such a nice little fish. She said, salmon's such a nice little fish. (laughs) Because I might change my mind on the spot. No, I can't. No, I can't. I'll just have a salad. Thank you. Right? There's a script I'm looking for. When the mayor, Rusty Bailey, was out here a few weeks ago, he stopped in the cafe, he got a warm drink, and someone offered him food, and he was here for about 10 minutes and made his way into the sanctuary. I greeted him right over here, and he said to the pastor, Happy Sabbath! And I said, Oh, we got to you. He said, Happy Sabbath! And then he kind of looked around to see, did I say it right? Is like this the time you say it? Did I emphasize the right? Is it happy Sabbath? Is it happy? I said, oh. He said, oh, I've heard it several times in 10 minutes. (laughs) A script we follow. He was practicing our practice on me, right? That's a script we follow. By the end of the day, when I reached out to the mayor to thank him for being with, with us on that Sabbath, he said to me, you're so welcome, and I learned that Sabbath really is happy. Church, there's a script we were following, and he picked it up really quick. 
Is that what's going on at the table with Jesus? There is a script, and all the way from Jerusalem, those rules trickle out to Galilee, which is why the Pharisees sometimes, sometimes come off as the purity police. But it's sacred work for them. The holiness of the temple extends to the holiness in our homes. Is That's what is off around the table with Jesus. There's no way he can be eating according to his script. But there's more than one kind of table option when Jesus lives in Luke's storytelling, right? Maybe it's not this kind of a table in Galilee around a party in a courtyard. Maybe it's more like a symposium from the Greco-Roman world. Maybe it's one of these large feasts and maybe Levi, who's wealthy, has a large home and it's a little more like reclining around the good table with the good meat and the good wine. Maybe it's more like there's a wine attendant on duty who's kind of filtering the good wine comes first and the more you eat and drink and eat and drink, well, the more the evening goes on, the more the stories start to flow. Symposium. This is uh, what happens for hundreds of years in the Greco-Roman world, and the more the stories start to flow, people start to talk about life and love and leisure and religion and all the ideas. And if you wanna read about that, that's what Plato's symposium is about, three, 400 years before Jesus lives. It's a series of speeches that erupted at a dinner party like this, spontaneous, extemporaneous speeches, contest of speeches. If you can't figure out what to do on a rainy Sabbath afternoon, read a little Plato this afternoon. But you see, the table manners for Jesus growing up in an Israelite home could, can't compete, can't, can't cooperate with the table manners that he sees on display in Levi's home, whether it's this or whether it's a lack of purity options at the table, is that's what, off, what is off in our passage this morning? Why is it so troubling that Jesus sits at this table? The table traditions, the table manners. Is that the problem? Because this is when people walking by begin to protest, and Jesus, your disciples aren't fasting like the other disciples. This is how we would know disciples are part of a spiritual movement because in the renewal movements, they fast. John's disciples fasted. Why don't your disciples, why are they always eating and drinking? In fact, just a, a few decades after Jesus dies, there's already a teaching about fasting for the disciples of Jesus. Read, listen to this, this comes from the Didache. Let not your fasts be with, with the hypocrites, for they fast on Monday and Thursday. So you disciples of Jesus, you should fast on Wednesday and Friday. Two days a week, it's pretty common when disciples of these renewal movements would be fasting. Why aren't your disciples fasting? When the people are troubled, these protests begin. We'll watch now Luke's storytelling for the next few weeks. This will be very common. There'll be an action, and then there'll be a protest, and there'll be some kind of conversation or response from Jesus. Is this what's odd or off in our teaching today? Here's what I find odd. And this is the first time I've noticed it in all of my years with a Bible open in front of me. Levi is sitting in his kiosk, Virginia, his booth, collecting taxes. Jesus says, follow me. Levi stands, he walks away, he follows Jesus. The text said he left it all and followed Jesus. He left everything and followed Jesus. And then he throws a block party. 
Can somebody tell me how if you stand up and leave everything and follow Jesus, you can throw a great party? This is not a garden variety party. This is a great party, the storyteller says. One of the big ones in the gospel. If you don't know where you're gonna sleep tonight, if you don't have a money purse, if you don't have a bank account, if, you've, if you're leaving everything behind, how in the world is it that Levi could be throwing, hosting a big party with Jesus? How do you do both of those? Leave everything and host a party. This is what caught my eye this time. Welcome to the Gospel of Luke, where following Jesus means we eat great meals. It's a good thing, church. We're only in chapter five. You can follow Jesus, leave everything, and throw a big dinner party. Is that true? Luke's gonna have more meals than all of the other gospel storytellers. Oh, he likes the big banquets, he likes the dinner parties. Luke likes, you know, the things in the courtyard, and he's okay with a picnic basket with just some fishes and loaves as well. It doesn't matter. As long as it's people and food, that means it's life for the, uh, this storyteller. Is there some people? Are there people? Are, is there food? Great, this is life. And this, is scandalous. This is the first time I've noticed it this time reading through that food plus people plus life, nothing else is actually happening yet in Luke's storytelling, and there's a problem. Jesus said he came to help the sinners. He's the physician to help them get well, but where are the bandages and where's the ointment and where's the treatment around the dinner table? Where is he casting out demons yet? They're simply sitting at a party eating and drinking. They're making friends around a table, church. Ordinary experiences around food with people, this is spiritual living. <laughs> I've been troubled all week that I didn't have enough of a sermon, but, but I think I'm troubled because it's so simple. People and food is spiritual living, amen. This is what Luke's Jesus teaches us today. So it is appropriate to have a party and to celebrate. Why? Why shouldn't they keep fasting? Because the, the, the Messiah, the Jesus, the God they were waiting for has entered the story in the person of Jesus. The story has begun when Jesus enters the story. It's not just a little bit of the boundaries will start, start to fall away or the blurred lines in our communities and the rules we live by. When Jesus starts to enter the story, everything will change, church. And so you should throw a party. Levi says, we should throw a party. This is such great news. Things are beginning to change right now. When Jesus sits at the table, he will tell them a couple of more riddles, aphorisms. While he's sitting there, he'll say, by the way, when you have a hole in your old garment, don't try and patch it with a new piece of material. And, and when you're gonna drink new wine, don't try and pour it in the old container. This is not Jesus critiquing tradition and the old ways of doing things. This is not Jesus critiquing the Old Testament and replacing it with Christianity. This is Jesus honoring the tradition and saying something new is arriving. It turns out when Jesus enters the story that Jesus is the God they've been waiting for. And now, now the story shifts. So feast, you should all be feasting and that's a little frightening if you've been used to fasting. 
Put a feast out, have a party, get some people together, enjoy the afternoon together. There is safety in fasting, but there's fear in the joy of a feast for these disciples. Are you sure we can be doing this? Are we gonna like get in trouble? Is there a curfew on this party? Can we have seconds? If you've been fasting, this idea of feasting in the middle of the day with Jesus can feel a little off or wrong or not quite holy, friends. In the weeks to come, we'll, we'll begin to listen to the layers in the story. Next week with Pastor Devon, one of the weeks uh, with Pastor Devo or Pastor Anthony, I'll have a few more of these conversations with Luke. We'll begin to see the layers. It's not just about the rich and the poor. Oh, it's about, their, it's about ethnicity and gender and age, and it's about vocation, it's about station and place in life, it's about the region where they live, it's about their heritage, it's about land ownership and slavery. When Luke unfolds his story, watch for all these details. I encourage you, try and read about three chapters every day for the next eight weeks. It's a small read. When you start reading Luke's gospel, watch. He'll tell us the ruler is Herod and the emperor, there's king and there's Caesar Augustus and there's uh, Quirinius and there's Tiberius and there's Pontius Pilate because Luke wants us to know it's a very real world and a very real story that we're living in. The layers of complexity will just begin to come out in front of us in these stories. And these are very simple people who eat Eating is a biological and a social, a social experience every time we eat together. Helps us to keep this in mind. The one of the teachings coming up in a few chapters here with Jesus will be, blessed are those who are hungry, for you will be satisfied. He will soon say, don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear, but eat, make sure you eat. And when you eat, do it with other people. And when you do this, do this in the awareness that the God we've been waiting for is beginning to arrive in the person of Jesus. And this is worth a party. Last week, we intentionally invited you to think about steps we can take. With Leslie Martin, Dr. Martin said to us, listen, baby steps, put ourselves in new locations and in new spaces with different people. This is how we grow. And so we invited you, the potluck starts today. Do you remember last week, the, pan, the pans we had stacked up here, all the 13 by nine pans? Vaughn, you wanna join me for a second? We had all these 13 by nine pans. I think there were 65 of them and we have about 30 left, which means a bunch of you took them home. So if you're not cooking today, you must be cooking next month for potluck. And there were four cookbooks. Some, you all took the four cookbooks. This was one of the titles, 13 by nine, the pan that can. The cookbooks all went, so we're serious. On the first Sabbath of every month, the meal is over here in the fellowship hall. Now, Vaughn, we were reading this cookbook, and I was so taken by this idea. Here we go. Yep. So it's, um, it's Fritos, but it's not this size bag, church, okay? Like, this is the American portion size, but this is what we're going to do. The cookbook said you do this, and I showed Pastor Bev, and she went, yeah, duh. But I never knew this. You just take the Fritos and you crunch them a little. And then you take the delicious black beans that Pastor Vaughn made. I did the easy part, he did the cooking. I got the fruit, perfect. You know where we're going? 
And then you get all the things in here. Vaughn, you yeah, want cheese? It's got to be cheese on the beans always. Cheese. The beans are warm. Cheese goes first. Uh, all right. Use your fingers. Yep. I was no, they're. Oh, I got it. You're going to eat? I'm going to send this back to your seat with you. It's okay if we oh, spill geez. on the carpet. Yep. It's okay. It's new carpet. It's okay. It's and some tomatoes? Mm-hmm. Tomatoes. tomatoes. And uh, there's like um, five kinds of salsas. You can tell where we live, what state we live in. So there's tomatoes, and there's some lettuce, and there's some um, olive. Do you do olives, Vaughn? Yeah, I like olives. I bet you, do you do all of it? Yeah. Do you do sour cream? No. Oh. No sour cream. All right. Everything else. Sour cream's in the refrigerator next door, so okay. you're fine. Not, I don't like a lot of lettuce in mine. Okay. That's wasted calories, like right yeah. there. <laughs> it's wasted space, too, huh? It's wasted space. Should we get olives? Olives, no. We need olives. olives on top. Are you going to do tapatio, or are you doing the... Tapatio. Tapatio. Yeah. All right. And what is great about this is... If you here, no. if you don't have China, if you I'm don't have a, if you don't have a dinner table, <laughs> if you don't have an apartment, right. if you live out of your car even, no. Oh my what? word! What, what happened okay. in here? Yeah. I think they're talking to me, yeah. not you. That's okay. If you don't even think you can host a party, check it out. The the pan that Cam taught us this, Vaughn. <laughs> you have a haystack in a bag. How cool is that? Yeah, do do a thing and like mix. I don't know. I guess you can squeeze it some more. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and nobody. You like it crunched, right? People like it crunched. You yeah. Can crunch it. Yeah, you can make them smaller, and nobody does dishes after this meal. Mm-hmm. I love oh, that part. Is it good? It's the black beans. Tell the truth. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's the black beans. It's the cumin and bay leaf. <laughs> you can leave it all here. Okay, we're gonna leave it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at how easy that is, church. Nobody has to be afraid of a potluck. This is part of what's getting served today in the potluck. Your pastors can cook. This is part of what you're getting in the potluck today. Because we were serious. And because Luke tells us people plus food is really life. This is, this is a spirituality. Sometimes I have the voice of my mother in my head in a good way. Because often when I would preach and when my mom would listen, she would say to me, does everything have to be difficult? Like, do I, does every story in the Bible really have to be radical? Does it have to require, do they all require some radical change in my life? Do all of them require me to go home and confess of everything and emerge? And is everything always have to be so difficult? Is every day another day for a radical story with Jesus? My mother would sometimes say to me, can you preach a nice sermon? <laughs> Just nice. Where it doesn't require so much of us. If you haven't thought this, you, you're not being honest maybe. Because it turns out not every story in Luke's gospel requires something grand to change today. Not every story requires me to become more of something, to contribute more of something, to be more spiritual in some way. Not every story is that we do more. Many of these stories are simply for being. Be in the moment, eyes open in the moment, see the people in the moment, eat the food in the moment. Name that Jesus joining this story is God on the scene today. It turns out some stories in the gospel are simple 
and they are easy. In this small book, letters go back and forth between a search committee and a, and a pastor. This is a church that's been looking for a pastor. The book is called Love Big Be Well, if you wonder about the last sermon series title. In this, in, in this search process, it's a small church out in the country, but the search committee is exhausted trying to find a pastor. They gather every Thursday night in the church basement and they drink Folgers and they enjoy a few minutes and then they turn to a pile of resumes and they start looking for the pastor who will join their church community. I wanna read you a little bit of their story, just a couple, three minutes, church. On this particular Thursday, after they drank their coffee and did a little bit of exchanging of the news, they stared at the stack. They have endured phone interviews with four candidates, visits with two more. After confirming that the town's modest population, after people come and see the town is modest population or that it's just a humble, beat up church building, three of the candidates quickly exited. One candidate turned out to be an ex-con. Fancy that. And they abruptly stopped answering the phone calls. So, after all of this, the other candidates that they've searched for, they brought one into the room and after 10 minutes, this particular candidate gave them the pitch on how necessary it would be to turn, change the church's name. Two of the leaders, they took, a, uh, they took books in a weekend conference and they, they, they took him away and convinced them that they would call this new group the Revolution Tribe and they could attract po folks by the truckloads. The final pastoral candidate, after one hour of meet and greet, pulled out his MacBook he queued up a presentation on the exponential growth curve of satellite campuses. Somehow this aspiring clergy missed that there were miles of farms and Blue Ridge tree-lined roads as he drove into town. The process had become a circus for them, so they decided to take out a paper and simply write a letter. These are four people from a search committee who began sending this one letter to every pastor who applied to their job. And it sounds like this. Dear potential pastor, we have a few questions for you. Perhaps we're foolish, but I'm gonna assume you love Jesus and you aren't too much of a loon when it comes to your creeds. We want theology, we want the kind that will pierce our soul and prompt tears and will leave us in a calm silence. We want the kind that will put a smack dab in the middle of the story and the kind that, that makes us think and oh yeah, if you uh, don't know how to laugh, we're not interested in you. <laughs> We don't trust a pastor who never laughs. We'll put up a lot with a lot, but that would be a deal breaker. We have some questions for you, potential pastor. We'd like to know if you're gonna use us. Will our church be your opportunity to right all the church wrongs, the ones you've been jotting down over your 10 years of ministry? Is our church going to be your opportunity to finally enact the one flaming vision you've had on your shoulders ever since you left seminary, that one strategic model to get this church thing straight? Or might we hope that our church could be a place where you will settle in with us, love alongside us, cry in the darkness with us, and remind us how much God's crazy about us? In other words, here's the question. Do you actually wanna be our pastor? I'm trying to be as straight as I know how. Will you love us? Will you teach us to love one another? Will you give us God, mystery, and the possibility and all that that entails? Will you preach with hope and wonder in your heart? Will you tell us again and again 
about the love that will not let us go? Will you believe with us and for us that the kingdom is truer than we know and that there are no shortcuts? One more thing. Your job will be hard. We'll pay you as much as you can. It will never be enough. We think that you'll find us grateful for your prayers and your sermons. And we'd be even more grateful if you'll eat apple fritters with us at the donut place. We hope to hear from you, dear potential pastor. Because what they really hope for is the pastor who will show up at the donut place and eat apple fritters. Jesus called Levi to follow him. Levi invited Jesus into his home and threw a party. And Jesus followed Levi. Amen.